0: No, well, hello everyone. Mr. Warren Hayes here. It is Thursday, February 16, and we are going to review the worst AEW Dynamite of all time. The one that is that's it. We're di- and the one that is sinking the ship. The, the the one that is sticking the nail in the coffin. The absolute worst episode that of wrestling that has ever occurred. Across all forms of pro wrestling Geographically In time and space Nothing comes up worse than the February 15 edition Of Dynamite Or at least If you believe Most of these
1: great wrestling minds out there You know, I had a nice little meta
0: setup. You know how I like to start these and you know, I'm getting into a routine. I've been doing these for a while now and I had the, this nice little meta where I was going to sit down here and I was going to talk about, it. I had it all planned out. I have my notes right here, I have literally my notes right here, talking about Thunder Rosa coming back, you know, and I wanted to talk about, you know, her returning and the backstage meeting that they had where she made amends and all that. I wanted to give some, you know, some thoughts, and insights, but no instead we have to contend we we have to we have to reverse engineer this horrible discourse around an episode of dynamite where everyone is running around like headless chickens claiming the sky is falling you know chicken little there we go we're continuing down the chi- Headless Chicken Littles. It's not even Chicken Little going around saying, hey, you know what? The sky is falling. They're headless. They're Warren, how, do, how are they going to say anything if they're headless? Look, I'm not saying my analogy is perfect. I'm making this, on the, making this
1: up on the spot.
0: Like this video. Subscribe to the channel. I'm
1: mad. <laughs> me it's it's, this
0: discussion this microscope under which AEW lives exists persists on a week to week basis is absurd all because it does not conform to a way of Making pro wrestling on television That has been systematically on, de- on the decline For the better part of 12 years A way to do pro wrestling that is not creating new fans That is in fact taking people away from the product From any type of wrestling If they're not doing it that way, they're failing and look, we get a shared episode of Dynamite. Look, was last night's episode of Dynamite the greatest one of all? No! Was it an excellent pro wrestling show? No! We have been on a strip of excellent shows with a little misstep in between, tiny little misstep. But we have been on a strip of excellent show we did not get a match of the year candidate like we've been having over the past couple of weeks they haven't had like these four star four and a half star insane matches moving forward no we didn't have any of that last night so
1: no not the greatest was it a bad show no You know what it felt like? It felt like a show that's building up a pay-per-view. Which is happening in
0: a couple of weeks now. Two weeks. Something like that. Why did my voice
1: do that? Why did my voice do that? Probably because I'm mad. (laughs) In two weeks, we have a pay-per-view. We got to start putting shit together. Right,
0: the main event is set. We're setting other big matches, and here's the here is the here is the thing. Here is the thing. Tony Khan finally turns around, does the dynamite, and finally does the dynamite, where there are stories, and that was the focus last night. Stories. Not the wrestling matches, not, you know, the, you know, the five star, you know, uh, grapple shows that, you know, that, you know, people are going to look at and go, oh, this is for, this is just for move nerds, this is just for wrestling nerds. No, but finally, we do things with the stories. Everything was connected last night. Everything advanced stories, kept advancing stories, creating stories. And now we've got people going, well, everything sucked, the wrestling stuff. Like, I don't know. I honestly don't know what wrestling fans want. And I, but on top of it all, I promise you, I believe that everyone who bitches about AEW doesn't even watch it. I believe they don't. And the people who do, the people who do watch AEW and comment that stuff are, are they are not professional wrestling fans and they can't wrap their brains around the idea of a wrestling show, putting on wrestling in a different way than what has been presented to them by a singular company, by a singular man's vision for over two decades. And the argument they will, the argument they will constantly bring up is, well, WWE has been successful. It's uh, it's the biggest uh, promotion in the world. And they're not wrong. And they're not wrong. But WWE has spent the better part of 30 years convincing us that what they do is not wrestling. It's sports entertainment. They make movies, pal. So then when, they, when, when, when we're presented with a professional wrestling presentation, an alternative, something different, they can't wrap their heads around it. And this is all that's left for them to do, is to poke holes. In everything. And instead of focusing on the good stuff. And we're going to have a couple of instances here. Of just a couple of details. That people are going to focus. Like zero in on. And they're just going to let everything go to the side. Again was this a perfect show last night? No. But there are. There are weekly wrestling shows. That systematically. Systematically. Put out worse programming than what we got last night and they don't get this level of scrutiny they don't get this level of uh, 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 of turn and when and when i get negative well let's just go flat out say it. when i get negative about wwe and i get accused of being a shill i get accused of being oh you're just a freakazoid you know because that's the new thing right you know, you know that's Ariel Hawani's gift uh, to to the wrestling world, to 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 the to wrestling discourse, right? You're just a freakazoid. You're an AEW sexual. You're biased. The fuck yes, I'm biased. But I'll tell you why I'm biased, and it's not necessarily a question of AEW. I don't care. I have always, I, if there is one thing that I have always said and I am consistent on, and and, and you can anyone can can go back. And and, and and find every single instance I've said this, and I have been true to this from the start, I will never, ever stick up for a wrestling company. It's never about wrestling company. It's about the talent, and it's about what you get as entertainment. I sit, I've said it multiple times on the Mr. Warren Hayes Show, and this is why I do this here, AW Dynamite, right now, is my favorite weekly wrestling television program. It caters to me, professional wrestling fan, Warren Hayes. And on a weekly basis, there is no one who does it systematically better. No one that has a television show on national cable in the United States of America, no one does it better. And that's why I talk about it. Because it is a professional wrestling show. And that's why I want to talk about it. That's why I pick it apart. That's why I do weekly reviews. And it's not an AEW that, oh, I love AEW so much. I love pro wrestling. And it just so happens that AEW is delivering the the, the version of pro wrestling that jives with me. It's not It's not rocket science. I don't give a shit on what side of the fence you fall on. It's not, I, this is not, this is not a tribalistic war thing. This is a question that I ask to the people who don't understand or who don't, who always have something shitty and te- to say about, uh, about an episode of Dynamite and always find fault and they're always moving the goalposts. What the fuck do you want out of your wrestling? Because if what you want Is weeks upon weeks of community theater of the same story being told again but with just slightly different dressing and you know just moving uh, moving things aside a little bit if that's what you want there is a promotion for you out there it's called wwe and it's got everything you need that's exactly what you got but if you want weekly professional wrestling, you want wrestling matches. You want things that make sense. You want things that are booked like a wrestling show. There's multiple other things. There's multiple other stuff. Look, if if, if New Japan had a live weekly show, not unlike this, I'd, I'd do the same thing. I'd do the same thing. I'd be sitting here doing a a New Japan review on top of it all.
1: This isn't a question of tribalism. This is a question of what I prefer. And it is my show. It is my channel. So no, I'm not going to sit here and, 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 and pick apart seven hours
0: of programming that doesn't appeal to me. Because you know what? There is two hours of programming a week that just hits all the right notes for me. Sometimes harder, sometimes softer. Last night was a little softer, but I get
1: it. And I still understand it. And it still makes sense. And it's still pro wrestling. But when I I lose my mind
0: when I see people, peers or even folks that I would, that I would consider to be, you know, above my, being my peer, like true success stories, looking at this, breaking it down and saying, wow, AEW man in the mud, AEW man, what a, what a, going down the tubes hasn't been good off of one fucking show. And I have said this before and I will say it again. What we have to blame here, what we have to blame is is reaction culture. It's this idea that you have to jump onto something and immediately have an opinion. Instead of taking the time to to just sit back, look at whatever happened and just like let it sink in, let it breathe in, create connections in your mind. Take the time to just assimilate something and then come out with, can you imagine? Roger Ebert. Coming out of a movie theater and hopping on Twitter. Now the guy goes down, he sits down in front of his typewriter back then. He's not reacting, he's thinking, he's pondering. He's making sense of what he's seeing. This is why I do these on Thursdays. I'm not doing instant reactions. Again, I don't have a problem in and about itself with instant reactions. Everyone can do whatever the hell they want. The child of, uh,
1: uh, uh, of, of of
0: reactivity culture is this. It's just people going, this sucked. And there is no no thought process, nothing that brings it all together. There's no room for reflecting, for putting, for 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 putting a little extra legwork. I say there's no room, there is room, because y'all are here listening to this right now. I would...
1: This is not a condemnation of instant reaction shows, post shows, I've done
0: them. I'd do them again. It's not the point. The point is that there is also, that, th- that this fosters a culture in which everyone has to have a reaction right now. Everyone has to react. No one thinks. No one ponders. No, you have to react. You have to think fast. Think on your feet.
1: Quickly, quickly, tell us what you think. This, of course, is a generalization because there are moments where you can just outright, react. wow, this is great. Wow, this is terrible. I think if more think if more
0: people took the time to think around, think back at what happened in relation to what happened in the you know previous show, or maybe try and see the path that is laid out before them. Maybe, maybe I wouldn't be starting. My AW Dynamite review, which I love doing, maybe I wouldn't be starting it screaming at the top of my lungs. I'm not screaming at the top of my lungs. My voice cracks when I do that. It gets really, really irritating, more so than what I'm doing right now. But I, I really don't know what fans want anymore. Like, I really don't. I I don't know what the general wrestling fan wants. I know what you want. You listening, you watching here on YouTube.com, listening on my podcast feed. I know what you want because you're listening to me right now, which is an indicator that whatever I'm doing is meaningful to someone and that there is an audience out there. Maybe not the biggest audience than if I were here where, where I was sitting here and we were discussing, you know, Cody Rhodes and, and Sami Zayn, perhaps main eventing night two, you know, going through all of those. But there are oodles of podcasts who do that. There are oodles of podcasts who do that. And and right now, I think there's a lot of fan talk and the analysis on certain things, when I'm, in regards to Sami Zayn and, and, and Cody, there's a lot of fan discussion. I think the analysis is pretty simple. I think people are overthinking it because WWE has created fans who overthink pro wrestling because it can't just be about going into a ring and settling a difference. It has to be much, much more convoluted than that for us to get, to get us to care, right? It can't just be, I'm excited to see these two excellent
1: pro wrestlers kick the shit out of each other. No, no, that's too, that's too basic. There are podcasts out there. There are people on uh, 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 on on satellite radio
0: who will give you everything you need on that level what I strive to do here on this review on the Mr Warren Hay show podcast is talk to wrestling fans who enjoy the sport of pro wrestling who enjoy the art of pro wrestling whichever way you want to approach it who have sensibilities, that are awakened by things like AEW, like New Japan, like Ring of Honor.
1: Like the Indie Circuit. And who aren't going to sit here
0: and, you know, try to, you know, to, to explain Bray Wyatt lore to me. Again, No disrespect.
1: It's just something that does not interest me. And I know I'm not alone. And it is difficult for me to judge a WWE show, a wrestling show, or
0: purports itself to be a wrestling show on any other level than as a wrestling show. So I can understand why WWE fans have difficulties wrapping their heads around something
1: like AEW. I I understand it, and that's why I don't cover WWE on a
0: weekly basis, and it is not a question of me picking a side, it's a question of what do I want to talk about? What do I want to cover? Because then what happens? I sit down and I watch Raw for three hours and I come back and I sit down here and I do a, a review of a show that I found miserable? And then what's the, what's the natural reaction? Warren Hayes never has anything nice to say about it. WWE he's always bitching about it. Well, don't ask me to review it. Just like if you're not into AEW, don't fucking watch it. And here's another tip. If you don't watch AEW, which I suspect a lot of people do. I suspect a lot of people don't watch it and still comment on it. Just don't say anything. Just be quiet. Just be quiet. Let the fans watch it. Let the fans talk about it. Let the adults talk about it. And go back to, go back to running, you know, your, your, go back to running your WWE engagement account on Twitter. (laughs) I'm so sick of this. I am so sick. So what we're going to do here today, and this was, this was an episode that was conceived for people who, who, who say AEW doesn't have stories
1: This was made for them And yet they're still not happy I'm happy I'm happy I got to watch AEW On
0: February 15 From the Sames Auto Arena uh, Sames Auto Arena In Laredo, Texas In the United States of America That's what we're going to start talking about right now. First of all, before we get into it, throughout the evening, we got a few updates to the Revolution card. There's probably more that are going to be announced on on Rampage. So maybe by the time you listen to this, if you listen to this past Friday, it'll probably be old news. But of course, we have the main event. MJF defending the AEW World Championship against Brian Danielson in a 60-minute Ironman match. We have the Guns. We're going to defend the AEW tag team titles against the acclaimed and two TBA teams. We're going to talk about that, of course. Samoa Joe versus Wardlow for the TNT championship. And Hangman Page versus John Moxley in a Texas death match. Let's get to the show. I've ranted enough. Eight-man tag team match starts off the show. The acclaimed, along with Billy Gunn and Orange Cassidy, defeated... Uh, Jay Lethal, Jeff J Jay Lethal, excuse me, Jeff Jarrett, Satnam Singh, and Sanjay Dutt. Show, of course, starts off with a uh with an in uh a, a little tribute to Jeff's father Jerry, who passed away. One of the all-time greats. Last of a breed. Legitimately last of a breed of. Wrestling promoter, wrestling mind. Anyway, Anthony Bowens here in the match gets a famous early on. Power slam by Max Caster. Sanjay Dutt does some fantastic annoying stuff. What a what a fantastic mid-card annoying shit heel is our boy.
1: Sanjay Dutt. Just fantastic stuff.
0: The heels work over Billy Gunn here for the majority of the of the of the match. And then the guns show up. This is sort of, you know, create a, create some 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 angst, some confusion. Satnam Singh cleans house here. He actually eats a famouser by Billy Gunn, which I think I probably one of the only times we've seen Satnam get like knocked out, right? Well, you know, knocked down, taken out. But that happens despite the fact that Sanjay is the legal man, so everyone is out. Sanjay is the only guy around, and he's been avoiding getting into some true to form action. And then we get a sequence where all the the baby faces try to do a scissor me timbers attempt on Sanjay until Bowen's finally lands it. It was a cloud, crowd pleaser. It was fine. I mean, there's there was you know as far as you know my personal taste, it, this didn't do it for me. I thought it was. Fun for what it was, but it wasn't, you know, not your explosive AEW Dynamite debut, but got the crowd into it. Orange Cassidy doing his thing. It was fine. Nothing great, but fine. We go backstage. Actually, we go to a pre-tape. Brian Danielson, who uh, cut a promo after last week's match. He's got all the blood caked all over him still, and he's cutting his promo. He's... Sweaty, he's pissed off. He says MJF can't last the hour. Nobody has the heart that he himself has for pro wrestling. Um, I, I, you know, this was fantastic. And, and, and you know what, you know, old man Brian Danielson is really growing on me into something that I'm like, you know, I really like, I really, really like, you know, how he's just leaning into the fact that, you know, He's old. He's tired. He's beat up. You <laughs> know, but you know he's got the you know the gaunt. You know he he's got the you know the the elongated face, the gaunt cheeks. You know, and he's all busted up, and he's you know and he's just looking wild, wild man. And that's why you know. It's, and and to me, I'm looking at that like this is a pro wrestler, right? This that's why people say oh, he doesn't look like you know so and so doesn't look like a pro wrestler. Man, pro wrestlers can look like so many things. That's why he keep saying I keep hammering this home. Like two decades of one company running the show. And you create this image in your mind. But I'm looking at this and I'm like, look, this is also a pro wrestler. And one that I find extremely convincing. One that I'm like, I believe everything this guy's saying. I'm into it. We got the Texas Tornado Tag Match where the Blackpool Combat Club duo of Claudio Castagnoli and John Moxley defeated Preston Vance and Roosh of the La Facción Ingobernable, which we're starting to call LFI, which reminds me of a of a band. Anyway, I'm going off course. I've been off course enough. We need to talk about this show.
1: Match of the night, Adam Page is backstage watching this match, three-quarter position, I'm like, no, stop it, stop it, no, don't do this. Match starts in the audience as the uh, Ingobernable boys uh, 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 ambush our BCC
0: fellas. There's a suplex over the barricade by Claudio while Rouge beats up John Moxley. Another part around the ring. They brawl on the floor uh, for a while uh, until they finally get into the ring. John Moxley beats down Preston Vance, but Rouge comes to the rescue. Get a spine buster by Preston Vance, and I'm glad that he's sort of a, you know, he's taken that as part of his ba- you know, his very powerful moveset. Castagnoli with a flying European uppercut. Moxley sort of blows a catapult on the floor. But that's all I know. <laughs> This shit happens. What are you gonna do? Preston Van Spears Moxley threw the ropes onto the floor. Castagnoli uh, onto Castagnoli and Rouge in a great spot. The heels start working at Castagnoli's shoulder and they double team Moxley and they do this during the commercial break. Right? They do this great spot where they're they're both. They're, 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 both putting, you know, they're stretching Mox. They have, basically they're, they're, they're both pressing their feet up against Moxley's chin, one guy on either side while pulling on his arm. Again, one on either side, like a, like a, like a pro wrestling rack, like a pro wrestling torture rack, but it's not the torture rack, you know, you know what I'm saying. Preston Vance cracks Moxley with a chain across the head. He's bleeding, by the way, is John right? Because it's a John Moxley match. Vance also gets busted open. Castagnoli finally gets back up, starts to wail on Vance with the chain, a cutter by Mox, discus, Lari- discus lariat by Vance, and I, I, this has to be driven home more and more. We have to keep, we have to keep hammering this home that he's using. He's using Brody Lee's discus lariat, right? He, we have to keep hammering that home. I love it. German by Rouge follows in a Saito by uh, Castagnoli. Jose, the assistant, runs in, chair shots Castagnoli. It's all fair. No DQ. But Yuta drives him, Yuta, Wheeler runs in and drives him away. Um,. Castagnoli counters a, a pescado with an uppercut, which is always a great sight, uh, Moxley wraps his chain, wraps the chain, what a great finish, wraps the chain around Vance's neck, does the hammer and anvil elbows, then transitions, just floats over, puts him in a choke with the chain, or I should say chokes him with the chain, and locks in an armbar. I'm like, what a fucking great finish, of course, Vance, cho- Vance taps out. Great finish, fun little match. This was very look. Oh, the guys worked hard here. I'll tell you what, Preston Vance here worked harder than anyone in this match because this the dude knew what spot he was in here. He understood what spot he was in here. Like, look, I'm you know I'm still at, on on the uh, 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 you know on the basis of my singles push, and I'm in a match with you know. Top guys in the company right now, Moxley, Claudio, I I, I, I got to shine here. I got to go. And he did.
1: Holy shit did he deliver. What a great,
0: great finish and some great work by Preston Vance here who really did shine. I found his work was tremendous. Just great stuff. Wanna talk about great stuff? Jim Ross sat down with the to to have an interview with Wardlow. Perfect. This is also the best way to use Jim Ross. For being honest. This was this was excellent. Wardlow is there. He's talking about his relationship with his father. And he said that they had a good thing, you know, a good relationship going until he was about eight years old. Then his father left his father came back into his life when he was a young adult but when he came back and, and, and he had he came back and he had stage four cancer Wardlow had already started training to be a wrestler at that point and Wardlow you know he said he he said his dad made it to his first indie show and he was proud of his boy fortunately his father passed away and Wardlow initially grew out his hair and beard because that's what his dad did and then they were showing pictures of itty-bitty Wardlow with his dad who had the fucking wild man look. You know, it's like a um, fucking uh, Bruiser Brody. So, what? why are we saying all this? Because this leads into the fact that cu- Samoa Joe cutting his hair, Wardlow's hair, a couple of weeks ago was a massive sign of disrespect by Joe. Because Joe knew this story while they were a tag team. I'm not inventing this up. I'm not, this is all stuff that was said. So Wardlow is taking this very personally. Look at this story. Let's underscore this. Story. The, the, the snipping of the hair seemed so random a few weeks ago. And this is something that we are not used to in this type of storytelling with this company is sometimes you will get an answer for an angle in a few weeks and this is not a main event angle this is not something that is at the top of the card this is a nice upper card mid card a nice upper mid card feud that they have here you know, we're not going to pretend that this is you know that this is you know top three stories of uh, you know of the we uh, of the company right now it's not it's fine It it's doing what it's it's doing what it's supposed to
1: Just took us a couple of weeks and now it all connects you. I'm like, holy shit. So that's why he did it. Just simple. Not a big production out of it. Not a big to-do. Not an eight-minute promo to carry
0: us through this. Digestible. Easy to follow. Great. Story. And Wardlow, in this promo, flexed some major superstar muscle here well-spoken affable charming relatable i was subjugated look that word up subjugated listening to this guy talk how natural he was Ah, maybe they retook a couple of things like this was a pre-tape it wasn't like who, who gives a fuck if your end result is this
1: great wonder what the bad cuts look like. Big outing for Wardlow here. Gave us a,
0: something that we have not been used to, we have not seen from him yet. And that he has massive star power appeal. And he can do it. This was very good. go to another match mark briscoe defeated josh woods fun little match mark briscoe's in control ari Davari and, and tony Niece are are around the ring as well because these are all the team now i don't know why everyone's like well, what what team is uh, ari daivari on wasn't in the Trustbusters? when is the last fucking time you saw the trust Busters? and ari davari has been hanging around these dorks for a while And it's crazy to me how people get so bent out of shape out of these mid-card acts that should be reshuffled and shuffled around until something works. Am I disappointed that the trust busters have been pulled apart? Yes. (laughs) Because I thought the trust busters were the weirdest stable. And it's weird in a sense that it could all work. And I see people go... This doesn't make any sense. Where are they all together? Who fucking cares? This is the this is a curtain jerker act. These are these are uh, th- th- this is your this is these are your your lower mid-card dudes. You're overthinking it already. But this is what happens. When you've had years upon years, hours upon hours of programming of professional wrestling, where all you got was nonsensical angles and you know we tell stories pal we tell television you try to make the connections because if they're telling stories then all oh, of this should make sense right from top to bottom and then you're picking everything apart this is an opening angle act and this is an, this is a curtain. these are jobbers they're supposed to lose
1: to the stars who cares Anyway, Nis nice and Daivari get involved in the match while the referee's distracted. The Lucha Brothers,
0: surprisingly, run in for the save on Mark Briscoe. And frankly, I could not think of a better trio right now. Can you imagine? these three, These three crazy people Like, I'm actually more into this than Death Triangle, I'm not gonna lie. I think Pac should be off doing his own thing. I think Pac should be a World Championship contender.
1: I like this more. Anyway, Suplex off the
0: apron by Josh Woods and the Shining Shining Wizard follows. Uh, Briscoe gets back in control with some redneck kung fu. Cannonball senton off the chair... In the ring, over the top rope, just fantastic stuff. Mark's like, yeah, you know what? We're still going to go crazy. Hits a razor's edge. A J-driller is avoided into a chaos theory by Woods. DVD followed by the froggy bow for the win. This is what we're going to be doing with Mark Briscoe moving forward. I'm completely into it. You got the graphic last night being all elite. I'm happy. Happy for Mark. Happy that there's going to be some sort of good denouement for him in all of this. We can have the discussion about whether or not this should have happened before. Probably on the Mr. Warren Hay Show podcast. Good little squash match. If you want to call it a squash match, an enhancement match. Renee Paquette is backstage and she's having her own sit-down interview with Adam Cole says he feels great and he loves being back on the road with AEW and you know he's learned to celebrate the small victories like like uh being able to look out of his right eye without it twitching and you know driving without throwing his guts up you know all that stuff it's very sincere a very a very sincere Adam Cole and it's and then that's what's bugging me. <laughs> that's and I'll tell you why. Cause it's so very much, I'm so happy to be back, kind of thing. You know, I'm excited to get back. You know, I'm listening to this, and I'm listening to this with Kristen, and we're both sitting there and we're going, like, wait a second. Adam Cole is being, he's being too sincere here. Don't get me wrong you know he he can he he can work this down whichever way he wants you know he came out to a huge reaction a couple of weeks ago when he had his surprise return and cut his promo and everyone was thrilled for him and he's a you know he is a legitimately nice guy um uh, a guy that everyone really likes everyone was very happy for him and but they're driving this home so hard, you know. Adam Cole, happy to be back. You know? And he's being so cheery and smiley. But not, he's not overdoing it. Like I said, he's very sincere about it. He's all, you know, rainbows and sunshine right now. But you, I cannot put it past Adam Cole the character as opposed to the human, right? Adam Cole the character to pull a dick move on us. And I think he's setting us up for disappointment here. I think he's setting us up because he said he's he's sent a couple of things he's talked about a few things in code here I feel like there's a lot of chapters to my story that haven't I haven't been able to explore yet what does that mean and he says he looks at the and he's putting over the roster he's putting over the roster look at the roster he says it's stacked you know so he knows he has to be as prepared as humanly possible. When I hear about Adam Cole getting ready for a for a fight for a, you know, being prepared, I have to be on top of this. I'm thinking he's got he's got something up his sleeve. Being prepared means having backup, having friends to watch his back. You know, and then Renee sort of tries to get him to say, Oh, who do you want to find, Adam? He says, Well, I'm not gonna name names, but it's gonna be good for AEW and good for Adam Cole. And that to me should be that to me is the bell whistle. That's the one, the bell whistle, what the hell? The 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 whistle. Not the bell whistle, the ki- the canary in the cage, if you if you may. He's being too sweet. He's being too affable, too likable. I smell a swerve. I think Adam Cole has something up his sleeve. And we are not going to have weeks of... We're not going to have the next few months of a, a, a top babyface Adam Cole.
1: I really don't. Story. Next, we have an MJF promo. Takes his sweet time
0: coming to the ring over the quarter hour commercial to, and he's taunting the audience. He tosses a dude phone in a throws a drink to a dude's face and you know, whatever. He's doing just some fantastic asshole stuff because that's what he is, right? He says, uh, Danielson has no idea how much these fans loving him pisses him off because not too long ago, these schmucks, schmucks, excuse me, Used to be devil worshipers. But he knows these people are disgusting, fickle little monsters. There's the fickle. Fickle, fickle, fickle. He hates Danielson because he has these people convinced that Danielson is better than MJF. Is it because, and he asks the crowd, is it because he entertains us the best? Or does the coolest maneuvers? Or is it because he puts on five-star bangers? And uh, yeah, By the way, we are... Saying "banger" now is a heel thing. Uh, we're just gonna put that out there, right? We know this. I've been calling for it to end. Taz called it to end. So you know, if MJF is using it, then you and you're using it. You're a heel. MJF says, "You know what? You get into the business for one reason only, and that's become world champion. And last he checked, the only way you're the best in the world is if you're the man holding the AEW World Championship, something that Danielson has never accomplished." So he hypes up the match, you know, says Danielson's going to give him a, a run for his money, you know, and never, never underestimate how good of a promo, basic promo this is, because MJF will never outright, like, bury a guy. He will always, you know, he'll say, like a good heel should, will still put over the guy in, in certain ways, because he's saying, you know, he's going to give me the hardest match of my life, you know, he's going to put everything he learned in all of these international countries where he's wrestled all over the place, Mexico, Japan, so on and so forth. Says He's going to put this all to to, to use. So he's putting over Danielson regardless. But then he says, look, if you don't take my word for it, that I am better than Danielson, that I'm going to win, then maybe you should listen to a man that Danielson considers his mentor, Christopher Daniels, who comes out, hands in the mic. And he says, you know, Tell uh, uh, Chris, tell us the truth about Brian Danielson. And Daniel says, full disclosure: NJF paid me a shitload of money to talk shit about Brian Danielson on national television tonight. And he has the envelope, and he says basically he's not going to do it. He says if there was a time in my life that I would have happily taken the money and buried Danielson for hours, yeah, probably, probably when you were gone from TNA, I'm right? <laughs> uh But he puts over Danielson says he watched the Dragon win King of Indies and APW in 2001, which directly inspired the creation of Ring of Honor as a promotion. And Ring of Honor brought real pro wrestling to a fan base that was starved for pro wrestling at the time, not unlike four years ago
1: when AEW popped up. I'm telling you. So, if there wasn't a Ring of
0: Honor, there might not be an AEW, and there would definitely not be an MJF is where he's coming to. Daniels says MJF is just a fraud. Says Danielson will out-wrestle and expose him, but before he can finish, MJF attacks him, slaps slaps the microphone out of his hand, then slaps Daniels in the face as he tries to leave. Um, uh, Daniels tells him not to disrespect him again, and MJF kicks him in the no nose. Locks in the salt of the earth. Danielson runs in for the save. Again, look. Look. Story. Story upon stories here. As we're digging into the past. Remember, the canon of AEW is wrestling canon. It's history. So we're digging up the past. We're bringing things up to surface. Sorry, y'all. You didn't have a, you know, uh, 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 uh wrestling packages showing AEW, uh, showing Brian Danielson winning an APW, you have that. But then again, look at what Daniels does. He prays off of MJF's insecurities because the minute he calls him a fraud and he says that he's going to be outwrestled and exposed, that's when MJF gets aggressive. That's when he it, it, that's pushes pushes him over the line. And this has been MJF's thing, his insecurity. This is why he puts wrestlers through these gauntlets. These wrestlers who he knows deep inside could overcome him. That are better than he knows Danielson is better for him, than him deep inside. But MJF is insecure. He, he needs to... That's why he talks a big game. That's why he pretends to be who he is. Like putting on airs, Showing that he's money. And he's been... He gets teared down, torn down quite frequently. That just makes him angrier, makes him madder. That's why you start, that's why he transitions from being smiles and, and and goofs MJF into something a little more sinister. That's when that's when the claws start coming out. It all makes sense. It all makes sense if you watch the show. If you watch the show, this all makes sense. But if you're following bloggers, tweets, GIFs. You're just going to sit back and you're going to be like, "Ah." same thing as usual, same thing. Whereas we are getting true character progression. All of this makes sense in MJF's character. Sorry he's not standing there emoting and talking at a pace to make sure that everyone understands that he... Is the AEW World Champion? All right, guys. I like. I don't understand how anyone is not does not see this. We're willfully blind at this point. I I don't want to, but look, what? I will have much more respect for you if you just come out and say I do not like this. As opposed to trying to come up with, try to intellectualize why this is not working for some reason. Because it, maybe it's not working for you. But it is working. And it is there. And maybe you're just like, mm, you know what, I need more QR codes. That's fine.
1: That's fine. This is very solid, logical, logical, Consistent
0: Compelling storytelling I don't know what to tell you The guns cut a promo About how they're the world tag team champions and whatnot Look we're going to talk about something that doesn't work for me in a second Jack Perry defeated Brian Cage It was one of these uh, Another one of these big man little man matches Look the match was what it was, I, I thought the match was fine You know the idea was to, you know, Jungle Boy to get a win over a, you know, Cage was this enormous guy. Of course, the more Cage loses, the less he comes off as a threat, right? That's, I mean, I think we're at a point where it's like, oh, Brian Cage, he's going to toss him around, but Jungle Boy's going to win. They're not in the same lane. So it's not even a question of, oh, he has to overcome. Like they didn't necessarily build this as, oh, he has to overcome the juggernaut or whatever, you know, the, the Wolverine. It's not even that. Jungle Boy eats a crazy-ass Alabama slam at some point, like a sit-out Alabama slam, Jesus fucking Christ. The <laughs> buckle bomb and and he does, Jungle Boy does this diving splash, and not a diving splash, a a, 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 a Topic and Hilo, right? But Cage catches him, back first on his shoulder. Just like, like Just like he's catching a sack of potatoes. Jungle Boy lands, you know, back first on his shoulder and no one's collapsing, it's just, ah, ah, ah. Good little spots, fun little match, didn't, you know, did not outstay its welcome, and this was, the match was not, the, the, the match was not the thing, it was the setup for the angle, where after the match, Jungle Boy is heading back, and Christian Cage arrives, and he pepper sprays Jungle Boy, Ah, son of a bitch. But then it it doesn't end there. Christian removes the sling and hits a kill switch on Jack. He is healed. He is ready to go. Now, let's take a minute here. I'm going to take a wee little victory lap. A couple of weeks ago, I was right here on this on this very review, and I was lamenting the loss of Jungle Hook. I was saying it was a bad idea, but I was like, you know what? Here, Why would they be doing this, right? They didn't start a singles run for Jungle Boy to toss him back into a tag team for sure. So what did I say right here? I said this is a, probably an indication that Christian Cage is getting ready to come back, he's almost ready to go. I said
1: that two weeks ago, right here, right here,
0: that I felt it was a signal that Cage was gonna come back two weeks later, he's back, he's healed, and we're probably getting
1: this match at Revolution. we're all going to talk about how to you know "Uh, there's no story that the wrestling
0: uh, uh, sprayed green paint on black junk we're all going to talk about this bullshit whereas christian cage made his return but this is we're going to set that aside we're not going to talk about that and how and and how uh, good of a surprise it was because no one was seeing that coming except for your boy warren hayes two weeks ago best d-list podcast with the a plus audience never forget that but no we oh we're going to we we're, we're going to talk about uh we you know we 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 we're, we're, we're going to talk about all sorts of other garbage, right? We're going to focus on we're going to focus on uh, you know on on basketballs and the nuts. That's what we're going to do, right?
1: Talk about top guys doing comedy. No stories by the way, right? Christian coming out of nowhere. That that doesn't mean Another
0: story. And we're going to look back at the Jungle Boy. His thing. And how this was handled. With Christian Cage's injury once that happened. And we're going to look back on this. And we're going to be like, you know what? This was well booked. Up until this point.
1: Kept Jungle Boy relevant in the mix. You look back at everything. Since Christian got injured and the plans got derailed. Rene Paquette is backstage with the gun clubs. We're talking
0: about the, the, the gun clubs first. Big title defense is going to be at Revolution. I mean, uh, and this was, I hate this. I hate it all. I hate it all. Now, if if we want to talk about something that is indeed bad. This is bad. Now, if you've watched, listened to me before, you know I don't like title matches being defended in multi-person scenarios. You know, four ways, three ways, triple threats, fatal fours, whatever the the hell you want to call them. I don't like it. Give me one-on-ones. Now we're going to have, now we're, the match was essentially set up to beat the guns versus the winner of a battle royal next week and a battle royal after that, and it's going to be a three way. But then the acclaimed arrive and say, "We're cashing in. We're cashing in our rematch clause." And I'm like, oh, "Oh, what a slippery slope we're just we're on here, folks." Ooh la 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 la, no. And we're making the revolution mess now a four way. And. Let's break, let's, let's, if you are going to do contender matches, right? If you're going to do a a tournament, a battle royal, you know, to set people up for a championship match against your champion, just have one person go through it, right? Have one person do the tournament or the battle royal. Why are we doing two battle royals to add two teams to another team? Why is, why is this make Why are we contending for a multi-man match with contendership matches? If you're doing a contendership match, then you should have one contender. Like, this in and about itself, I do not like. I think it's dumb, especially since it's leading us to a multi-man match, which I don't care for. And now the acclaimed are adding their thing, this was all a little too convoluted, and it's a little too much. And I don't know what they're trying to protect here, but I'm going to tell you one thing. If you were to tell me four years ago when AEW started that the tag team division four years from now was going to be reduced to a, a little bit of a joke, having more multi-man defenses than anything else, no real co- and that the tag team situation would be, would be this, and we'd be getting four ways on the pay-per-view, I wouldn't believe you. Because when AEW started, the tag teams were an attraction. It was something that they had banked on. They said, you know, this is going to be the home for tag team wrestling. And you can argue, easily argue, that for a long time, they weren't wrong. What the hell happened to the tag team division at this point? And it cannot just be because the Bucks are in a trio. I, I... there's too many talented tag teams to 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 even be considering this. You know, they started doing one of the things, another pet peeve that I really don't like: throwing two singles guys together into tag teams. I I have never been a super fan super fan of that, especially when you have established tag teams like the Bucks, like the Lucha Bros, like
1: FTR on your roster. man Uh, i'm sure the match will be fine
0: i i don't think the guns are great workers i think the acclaimed are fine who are going to be the two others who are going to be the two other tag teams are we going to throw the lucha bros in there to sort of give it some some oomph why would you why would you waste the lucha bros on that why would you waste the lucha brothers on a four-way match I don't know I still need I still need time to process this and I'll probably have full thoughts once the uh once this the, the this battle royal nonsense comes to a close I, I I can't I can't do this I'm telling you everything that has involved the guns has been a complete turn off for me I can't get into it guys I'm sorry and the acclaimed is fine and I have appre- put them over, I've put over how great of an act they are, even though it's not for me. I can see that it is for tons of people. They are over as hell. It's not for you, boy. But I can appreciate the act and how over they are and how it's all on them and the work they put in and a true AEW success story. It's
1: not for me. The Elite cut a promo about NBA All-Star
0: Weekend because they like the basketball. And uh, AR Fox and Top Flight pop in asking for another match on Rampage. They do jokes about balls. Matt tosses a basketball and Cutler's no-nos. And we have a rematch on Rampage. And I like it. I If you have the match, fucking run it. Rerun it. It's, look. Why would you... They're doing the same thing over again. We're not sitting around watching... Jinder Mahal Versus Baron Corbin For the sixth consecutive week This was a fantastic match That we got last week Why not do it again Do it again Run it at the pay-per-view again I don't give a shit This was great stuff Did you hear that the This is another complaint At the elite you, you, I'm, I'm gonna be talking about this On the podcast on, on Tuesday Cause this is You know news You know regarding Kenny Omega's contract And the Observer's coming out tomorrow And Dave is probably gonna have been fed a bunch of information regarding this. And so, you know, there's going to be a lot of talk about, uh, I, I'm sure. But, you know, now the thing is that everyone said, oh, the elite should leave AEW because all they're doing is comedy spots. Do you not think that this is... The, you, that? Do you not think that this is kind of what they're going for? That this is what they want? Have you do, Are the Jacksons and Kenny Omega teaming together like new to people? Is this a new thing? I swear there are people who don't watch the show. I swear, Adam Page defeats Kip Sabian. We're gonna, I'm going over on time here. I'm gonna speed up a little bit here. Again, uh, okay match. Nothing really to talk about. You know, I thought kids, you know, Kip Sabian got his shit in, was fine, but you know, got Larry, Larry Ted and dead eyed by Adam Page for the win. And a dead eye, not the buckshot. His secondary finisher did the job here. So again. I keep telling you all this, but this is important. This is the concept of lanes. Kip Sabian is not on his level here. I forgot to mention that Kip Sabian earlier in the evening attacked Adam Page backstage with Butcher and the Blade, right? Because he probably paid them off to do it. Whatever. To sort of weaken him up. And even though he, you know, Adam Page got beat up previously just came out here and he took a beating, but eventually just ended up destroying Sabian. And that's fine.
1: It's not that deep. After the match, the Blackpool Combat
0: Club come in. Moxie gets on the mic. And here's another thing Where's Brian Davidson? Why not the BCC looking out for him? I swear, people don't watch the show or have the memories of, you know. Worse than a goldfish, because I've been told recently that goldfish actually have a pretty good memory, as opposed to what the common saying is. BCC and Danielson have always been a bit iffy. It's they've always been a bit at odds, right? Don't you remember? Danielson was like, you know, getting into Yuda's face and been into his face, and Claudio was trying to keep the peace, and there was, you know, you don't have to be breaking up for there to be tension. could be tension but most importantly why would you start adding danielson into this stuff and the bcc into danielson stuff and start muddying the waters unnecessarily streamline clear storytelling and you know what maybe it's a question that you know i watch since you know and 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 a lot of people who watch new japan maybe or or, uh, not just new japan but uh, puro in general I mean, it's like factions exist, groups exist, but they're not always running out to cover each other's back. The Bullet Club is one thing. I, a couple of weeks ago, I watched on a New Japan show Yo take out Hiromu after the match, working his leg, beating down on it after the bell, while Shingo and Sonana just stood around, who are all in the same faction. And Shingo at some point starts going... He comes down next... You know, Yo's got fucking Hiromu in a figure four on the floor and people are trying to pull him apart. The young lions are in there trying to pull him apart and Shingo's sort of... He's next to... He walks up and he's pointing his fingers going, Hey, you gotta stop doing this. No one's putting the boots to Yo. No one's... You know what I mean? Maybe... Look, again, it doesn't bother me half as much as it bothers other people, clearly. But... The basic principle here is that we're not muddying the waters. Because then what would be the thing? Why is Danielson getting involved in Mox's thing with Adam Page? And vice versa, right? No, this is unnecessary. I swear, there is no winning with people sometimes. Did you know this would happen? I know you know, because y'all are smart. Anyway, Moxley gets on the mic Says Paige got his ass pinned last time they fought and there was, there's no chance he will ever, ever beat Mox again. So, you know, as far as this issue that you feel we still have, let's just let it go. Paige says he's not happy with their last, with the result of their last match and he doesn't think Moxley is happy about it either. Mox, had hoped hope that they have that, Mox said that, you know, I kind of hope that uh, you'd have some friends to talk you out of doing this bad decision, talking to a smarter decision, but uh, Emo Cowboy ain't got no friends. Cue the Dark Order coming out. Not not much of a reaction. Not until we got into the thing here where Uvaluno is pumped. He's pissed. And he gets right into Mox's face. Hangman is telling him, no, what the fuck are you guys doing here? Get the hell out. And even Uvaluno shoes Hangman away. He goes, no, no, no. I got this. And he goes right for Mox. And he's saying that, he, that these boys have got Hangman's back for two years. And Evil Uno is not afraid of Mox and he pie-faces Mox. And that got a reaction. Fired up Evil Uno in a suit,
1: looking good. Moxley grabs the mic and challenges Hangman
0: to a Texas death match of revolution. We've already talked about it. Just... Purposefully looking right past Eveluno. Fun little segment, and look what we got here!
1: More story. Oh my god! Get some build next week. John Moxley is going to beat up one of Hangman's friends. I'm going to make an
0: example out of him. I don't know. Again, what do you want more out of your pro wrestling? You don't have to overthink it. You don't have to overthink it. Jericho Appreciation Society are interviewed backstage. Talking about Ricky Starks. Daniel Garcia is going to fight him on Friday. I'm going to say this, this is a misstep. I think I think this was I I don't think this was the good call. I think Ricky Starks should have been on television this week. And I think he should have been on... Piss and Vinegar at the Jericho Appreciation Society doing the shit that they did with the with the um with the gauntlet last week. I think she should have been here being mad as hell. Pre-tape backstage in ring, whatever. I think even in ring would have been a good idea. I think this is soft. I don't think this is a good I think this is a misstep. I'm still excited to see the rematch, which is eventually, which is of course going to happen at Revolution. You're living under a rock if you think this is not going to happen. But I really think Ricky Starks should have come out, guns blazing, mad at the world, do one of these things where it's like, whoa, hang on, Starks was not supposed to be here and he's just like, he hits, he hits the ring and he grabs the mic out of someone's hand and, you know, he he knocks a dude out. You have, I don't know. have. Have Ari Davari trying to cut a promo. And then Ricky Starks runs in, knocks him the fuck out, gets the crowd up on their feet, and he's fired up. He's mad as hell because the Jericho Appreciation Society cheated their way out out of a match that he wants. This was soft. Didn't like it. However, I liked Stokely Hathaway cutting promo of the year. While dressed like he's a member of the Black Panther party. Jesus, like what was that? It's I mean, it's fantastic and he's got a cast on and he is he is legitimately the greatest shit heel promo manager. Manager promo. He let me say that again. He is the greatest shit heel manager as far as his promos go. That I have heard in a long time. And he's always been good, but I feel he's getting even better every time, every time. And he's dropping names that he's talking to all these, you know, all these luminaries of the black community, Jesse Jackson Al, J- Jackson, Al Sharpton, Angela Davis. He says Hook should be fired and he hopes that AEW management will take notes because his arm is in a cast, cast now. He's a freaking nature. <laughs> he's just, and I don't know, I like Tony Schiavone, is a, he is a goddamn professional because I don't know how he's not losing it. Listening to this guy. And we find out that Hook has been suspended pending investigation. Nothing like running the angles you know. It's like, it's like writing a novel. They say, you know, write about what you know. Then we get the main event. Ruby Soho defeated Britt Baker and Tony Storm. Uh, cage match is being particularly brutal. In this On this uh, On the results here I think it's unjust I don't think it was Look like I said Nothing on this card Was like a fantastic Great breakthrough match We had a fun A fine Well worked uh, uh, Tornado tag team match And you know what This match here There was no slow moments These women These women Worked hard Telling the story They had to tell here There was a plan To begin here They plant a fan where Tony Storm and and, uh, Soraya threatened to spray paint an L on. They're doing, still doing the NWO stuff. But the story here is whose side is Ruby Soho on? I think it was, I don't think it was the best executed match. I think it was a little sloppy in what it was trying to do. I think they were trying too hard to convey the story over the match. Because when the match was a match, there was some great stuff happening. Brit does the spinning pedigree now which I think is great Tony Storm you know gets in there Tony Storm is a fabulous worker Fabulous worker Gets a huge kick in Ruby Soho gets Germaned out of the ring Swinging neck breaker by Brit I don't understand why people don't like Brit I really don't Is she Is she Minami Toyota? No is she Jamie Hayter? No. She has developed into such a solid worker. I don't understand. Ruby Soho off the uh, off the ropes with a punch right into a punch by Tony Storm. Locks in a cloverleaf, a log jaw at the same time by Britt Baker on Ruby Soho. Soraya tries gets involved, takes out everyone. It's no disqualifications, right? Because it's a triple. Don't call it a triple threat. Then they do the, you know, the painting of of Tony Storm's ass for the hip attack. Oh, it looks like she farted. Oh, is it? and this is this is the shit that people are that people are going to talk about for a week, and they're not going to talk about any of the story development, and they're going to pursue this this tale that AEW doesn't have stories. They're gonna they're gonna pursue this narrative while focusing on. Well, we couldn't even see the spray paint. Maybe she should have, she should have had white trunks. Who gives a fuck? Was it a, was it a poorly constructed idea? Sure. But is this what you're going to focus on? This is what you're going to focus on. Other than the fact that we had the women in the main event of Dynamite. There was no title involved. It was to advance this story. This big story for the women's division. Ruby Soho gets the win. Again. Not the greatest thing, but I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm, I'm starting to, I'm starting to lose faith on this Soraya stuff. I think I'm starting to think she's she's a bill of goods. I think Tony Storm, Tony Storm's the worker. She's in there putting in the reps. She's solid.
1: She's smart. I think, in a lot of ways, it shows that Surya hadn't done this in years. Starting to doubt that this was a this was a proper path.
0: There have been more misses than hits when it comes to Soraya. and I've been, I've been tempering my expectations. Like, look. And hasn't done that she hasn't done this for a while and i am willing to give her the benefit of the doubt i think she is a name i think she has value there is value in the page seraya name but right now i think there is a lot of damage that's being done to that aura i'm not confident i'm wondering what she can provide because there's nothing she's doing here that is outlandishly special and that could not be anyone else on the roster i don't know man i'm not too i'm not too keen on how this worked out i like ruby soho still in the middle of it all but look it's a big time angle for the women and tony wants to give it importance main event spot let's go Am I going to sit here and tell you all the ailments of AEW's women's division have all been cured? No, it's not what I'm saying at all. But clearly, he has hopes for this. I do. As someone who wants improvements in the women's division, I want this to work out. A little convoluted, a little sloppy not sure this was the best resolution ruby she should she needs to tone down the, the 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 emoting there's a lot of little things and all, when all the little things sort of come together you're like then it, it
1: becomes like a gelled thing and you're like ah. but we're getting stories i'm gonna wrap up this review
0: leave a like if you haven't already subscribed if you don't mind me being mad. Hopefully, I will be in a much more joyous position next week. No, but look, always remember one thing. Criticism comes from a place of love. True criticism always comes from a place of love. You will never talk about things that you despise. I do not like uh, eating snails, so I will never review snail dishes because I think they're terrible. I've had them once, never had them again. But I'm not going to sit here and review snails. Because I have no criticism to bring. I don't like it. That is how y'all should approach things. Criticize out of love.
1: Observe the good. Criticize the bad. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. I'll be back on Tuesday for the Mr. Warren Hayes Show.
0: Leave a like, subscribe, all that stuff, and I'll see you next time.